Lies are in abundance around the world regarding the war between Israel and Hamas, and especially here in our own country upon college campuses. And it is time for good men and women to speak up with the truth. Truth must oppose the lies or the lies win the day. We talk about all of this and the latest going on with the Israel-Hamas war on this episode of Grizz. It's going to be a good one, my brothers. So here we go. to the Grizz Podcast. Our mission is to guide, encourage, and equip you on your journey with Christ. It's time for you to rise up, honor God, and live manly. Now here's our host, Jason George. Yo, yo, welcome back to the Grizz. Today is Monday, October 16th, 2023. And as usual, I'm coming at you from the Grizz Cave in the beautiful low country of South Carolina. First of all, I want to say a big thank you to all of you who have been praying for my health. I've been having a better few days with the intensity of my symptoms much lower. If you're new to the podcast, I battle Lyme disease and some other tick-borne co-infections that are pretty nasty, and it's been rougher than usual the last month or so, so Thank you guys for praying for me. Keep praying for me, please. All right. What's the latest with the Israeli-Hamas war? Some crazy stuff is going down. The Israel Defense Force said a Hamas leader, Ali Kwadi, I think I said that right, who is the man who led the brutal terrorist attacks against Israel, was recently killed in an Israeli airstrike. If that's true, praise God. As all of you know, a little over a week ago, Hamas terrorists killed over 1,300 Israelis and injured over 3,000 others. More than two dozen Americans have been murdered and around a dozen Americans are still missing. These Hamas terrorists targeted the most vulnerable Israelis, including raping and killing young women and slaughtering children and infants. As I told you on the last episode of The Grizz, it is even reported that the heads of Israeli babies were cut off by these Hamas terrorists. And in response, Israel has repeatedly warned all civilians in the Gaza region to flee the area because Israel has no intent on harming any innocent civilians. As Palestinian civilians have tried to flee the area, it is reported that Hamas has hindered them, many of them, from leaving the territory, even setting up a roadblock. There are satellite images confirming all of this. I looked at them yesterday. It is crazy. You can look it up for yourself. What do we learn from that? 
Well, pretty much what we've already known. Hamas does not care about the Palestinian people. Hamas does not care about the Palestinian people. These sick bastards, cowards, are known for using civilians, even children and babies, as human shields. U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken recently accused Hamas of putting civilians in harm's way. He said, and I quote, Hamas makes sure that all of its critical leaders, that its command centers, that its weapons, its ammunitions are all located in residential areas, in residential buildings, or buried underneath hospitals, schools, supermarkets. Blinken went on to say they know, talking about Hamas terrorists, that they are using Palestinians of Gaza as human shields. And that, too, is disgraceful, end quote. Again, Hamas does not care about the Palestinian people. There are also approximately 150 hostages, mostly Israeli, some Americans, being held somewhere in the Gaza territory. According to the Israeli Defense Forces, the Flotilla 13 elite military unit was deployed to the Safa military post near the Gaza security fence and rescued around 250 hostages. Praise God for that. More than 60 Hamas terrorists were killed and 26 were apprehended. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu said, we are fighting in full force in all theaters. Now we are on the offensive. He went on to say, every Hamas operative will die. Hamas is ISIS. We will crush them and get rid of them, just as the world crushed and got rid of ISIS. I would like to strengthen our combatants, all the people in our security forces and relief and rescue forces. The entire people of Israel are behind you. End quote, Benjamin Netanyahu. To which I say, good, good. Listen, guys. I don't like war. I don't want war ever. But there is a time for war. We live in a fallen world with fallen people and fallen bodies. This is a jacked up place. And unfortunately, in order to suppress evil, in order to bring peace, there is a time for war, a just war. Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 3 verses 7 and 8 says this, There is a time to tear apart and a time to sew together. There is a time to be silent and there is a time to speak up. There is a time to love and a time to hate. There is a time for war and a time for peace. This is a time for Israel to go to war against these terrorists. In my view, this is a just war for Israel to be waging. In a speech at the University of Berlin on May 12, 1910, Theodore Roosevelt said this, Unjust war is to be abhorred, but woe to the nation that does not make ready to hold its own in time of need against all who would harm it. And woe thrice over to the nation in which the average man loses the fighting edge, loses the power to serve as a soldier if the day of need should arise. Man, that's such a good quote. And that's something I worry about here in America with our men. Dude, has the average man lost the fighting edge? Has the average man lost the power to serve as a soldier if the day of need should arise? Another quote I want to share with you guys about a time for war is from Thomas Aquinas. He said, in order for a war to be just, three things are necessary. 
First, the authority of the sovereign. Secondly, a just cause. Thirdly, a rightful intention. The three conditions are sometimes paraphrased as public authority, just cause, and right motive. In my opinion, in my view, Israel has all three. There are a lot of lies circulating throughout the news outlets and on social media regarding why this war between Israel and Hamas is happening. One of the big lies is that this is all Israel's fault because if Israel just allowed Palestinians to have a state or country of their own, then there would be peace. You may hear that from United Nations ambassadors, European diplomats, college professors, and from all of these recent pro-Palestinian protesters here in the U.S. and abroad. But the truth is, the truth is, Israel has already offered Palestine a state of their own many times. David Brog from PragerU, who wrote the book Reclaiming Israel's History, does an excellent job explaining this. Let me pull that up real quick. This is really good. Listen to what he has to say. Israel has already offered the Palestinians a state of their own, and not just once, but on five separate occasions. Don't believe me? Let's review the record. After the breakup of the Ottoman Empire following World War I, Britain took control of most of the Middle East, including the area that constitutes modern Israel. 17 years later, in 1936, the Arabs rebelled against the British and against their Jewish neighbors. The British formed a task force, the Peel Commission, to study the cause of the rebellion. The commission concluded that the reason for the violence was that two peoples, Jews and Arabs, wanted to govern the same land. The answer, the Peel Commission concluded, would be to create two independent states, one for the Jews and one for the Arabs, a two-state solution. The suggested split was heavily in favor of the Arabs. The British offered them 80% of the disputed territory, the Jews the remaining 20%. Yet, despite the tiny size of their proposed state, the Jews voted to accept this offer. But the Arabs rejected it and resumed their violent rebellion. That's rejection number one. Ten years later, in 1947, the British asked the United Nations to find a new solution to the continuing tensions. Like the Peel Commission, the UN decided that the best way to resolve the conflict was to divide the land. On November 7, 1947, the UN voted to create two states. Again, the Jews accepted the offer, and again, the Arabs rejected it. Only this time, they did so by launching an all-out war. That's rejection number two. Jordan, Egypt, Iraq, Lebanon, and Syria joined the conflict, but they failed. Israel won the war and got on with the business of building a new nation. Most of the land set aside for the UN for an Arab state, the West Bank and East Jerusalem, became occupied territory, occupied not by Israel, but by Jordan. 20 years later, in 1967, the Arabs, led this time by Egypt and joined by Syria and Jordan, once again sought to destroy the Jewish state. The 1967 conflict, known as the Six-Day War, ended in a stunning victory for Israel. 
Jerusalem, and the West Bank, as well as the area known as the Gaza Strip, fell into Israel's hands. The government split over what to do with this new territory. Half wanted to return the West Bank to Jordan and Gaza to Egypt in exchange for peace. The other half wanted to give it to the region's Arabs, who had begun referring to themselves as the Palestinians, in the hope that they would ultimately build their own state there. Neither initiative got very far. A few months later, the Arab League met in Sudan and issued its infamous three no's. No peace with Israel, no recognition of Israel, no negotiations with Israel. Again, a two-state solution was dismissed by the Arabs, making this rejection number three. In 2000, Israeli Prime Minister Ehud Barak met at Camp David with Palestinian Liberation Organization Chairman Yasser Arafat to conclude a new two-state solution two-state plan. Barak offered Arafat a Palestinian state in all of Gaza and 94% of the West Bank with East Jerusalem as its capital, but the Palestinian leader rejected the offer. In the words of U.S. President Bill Clinton, Arafat was here 14 days and said no to everything. Instead, the Palestinians launched a bloody wave of suicide bombings that killed over 1,000 Israelis and maimed thousands more on buses and wedding halls and in pizza parlors. That is rejection number four. In 2008, Israel tried yet again. Prime Minister Ehud Olmart went even further than Ehud Barak had, expanding the peace offer to include additional land to sweeten the deal. Like his predecessor, the new Palestinian leader, Mohammed Abbas, turned the deal down. That's rejection number five. In between these last two Israeli offers, Israel unilaterally left Gaza, giving the Palestinians complete control there. Instead of developing this territory for the good of its citizens, the Palestinians turned Gaza into a terrorist base from which they have fired thousands of rockets into Israel. Each time Israel has agreed to a Palestinian state, the Palestinians have rejected the offer, often violently. So if you're interested in peace in the Middle East, maybe the answer is not to pressure Israel to make yet another offer of a state to the Palestinians. Maybe the answer is to pressure the Palestinians to finally accept the existence of a Jewish state. Well said. So informative. So helpful. Again, that comes from David Brog over at PragerU. Another lie that you will frequently hear about why these Hamas terrorist uh, attacks were just justified is because people say Israel is occupying Muslim territory. That's a complete lie. As I said on the last episode, God gave the Jewish people the land of Israel. Under the leadership of Joshua, they finally entered that land around 1400 BC. The kingdom of David was around 1000 BC and the first temple built by Solomon was around 957 BC. The second temple was built around 515 BC. Islam which is the religion of the Palestinian Arabs, was not even founded until the 7th century AD. No independent Arab state ever even existed in the area known as Palestine. So what you continue to have are Muslim jihadists who are trying to take a territory that's not rightfully theirs. It has never belonged to them. It is absolutely crazy the amount of anti-Semitism that we are seeing around the world. It's always been there, but it's just breaking out more and more after this Hamas terrorist attack. 
especially here in the U.S. We're seeing it. For those of you who don't know, we may have some young listeners or uninformed listeners. That's okay. Anti-Semitism is a term used to refer to hostility, hate, prejudice, or persecution towards Jewish people. And according to the Anti-Defamation League, anti-Semitic incidents in the U.S. rose 36% in 2022. The report tracked 3,697 incidents of harassment, vandalism, and assault targeting Jewish people in communities last year. New York is the state with the highest reported incidents. According to NPR, another alarming finding is the number of bomb threats toward Jewish institutions, including schools and synagogues, spiking from 8 to 91. It is the highest number of bomb threats since 2017. Young children and educators in K-12 schools were victims of threats or assaults in 494 incidents. Meanwhile, 219 incidents were reported on college campuses. People who presented as Orthodox Jews were targeted in 59 of the assault incidents nationally. Crazy. Remember what I told you guys on the last episode. The most hated and targeted groups of people throughout history have always been Jews and Christians. And why is that? Again, because God has a covenantal relationship with both of those groups of people. They are chosen and they are loved by God in a special way. The Bible is clear on this all throughout Scripture. So guess what? The enemy, Satan and his demons, target who God loves the most, period. That's what's going on now. That's what's been going on. And that's what will continue to be going on until Christ returns and makes all things new as they should be. I'm talking about the future heaven and earth promised to God's people in the book of Revelation. Anyway, so a full-scale ground invasion of troops into Gaza by the Israeli military is imminent. And Iran has threatened repeatedly to join the war against Israel if the Israeli military moves forward with plans to invade Gaza. Iranian Parliament Speaker Mohammed Bagar Khalibaf, I don't know if I said it right now, I don't care. I don't care if I jacked your name up. Warned that an Israeli invasion of the Gaza Strip would open the gates of hell for Israel and the region, according to Iranian state media. Khalibaf, made the statement during a Monday meeting of the Parliamentary Union of the Organization of Islamic Cooperation. He went on to say that the blockade of Gaza and cutting off the supply of water, electricity, medicine, and food to this area is a clear example of genocide. In addition, the use of non-conventional military weapons such as banned phosphorus bombs in these attacks violates international conventions on the prohibition of chemical weapons. Israel has rejected claims that it used white phosphorus against anyone in Gaza. It says the substance is present only in smoke munitions that are used against combatants directly. The Pentagon has deployed two aircraft carriers and they're supporting ships to the eastern Mediterranean since the attacks on Israel. The Gerald R. Ford aircraft carrier, along with supporting ships, arrived in the eastern Mediterranean earlier last week. The Pentagon also directed the Dwight Eisenhower Carrier Strike Group to move to the eastern Mediterranean. It will take between a week and a week and a half to reach the region. The ships are meant as a deterrent to ensure the conflict does not expand. This is 
a really big deal. It's a really big deal to me because my son is in the Navy. He will commission this upcoming year after he graduates from the University of Pitt. U.S. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin has put in, quote unquote, a be ready to deploy order for a select number of American troops should Israel need them. An official told Fox News, the Wall Street Journal reported that around 2000 troops were selected this weekend, but that number has not been confirmed. It is also unclear which exact units were chosen or under which circumstances they could be deployed. One of the only things the Biden administration has done right is what they're doing right now with their support for Israel after the Hamas terrorist attacks on October 7th. Last week during a speech, Biden said, we must be crystal clear. We stand with Israel and we will make sure Israel has what it needs to take care of its citizens, defend itself and respond to this attack. You know, I ridicule Biden's leadership quite a bit. So I want to say that this is something he said that I applaud. Although I question his motives, or should I say I question the motives of those who pull Biden's strings and tell him what to say. I do not believe Biden is in charge of anything, including his dog who keeps biting Secret Service members. <laughs> anyway, speaking of dogs, there was a cool story about canines that were used to rescue over 200, 200 civilians in Israel and also helped Israeli troops locate and kill 10 Hamas terrorists. Dude, dogs are awesome. I love dogs. Another interesting twist in the story is with Russia. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and Russian President Vladimir Putin are likely to speak during a phone call today, Monday, October 16th. We'll see if that happens. That's what a senior official told Fox News. The call is the first time the two leaders have spoken since the October 7th Hamas attack on Israel. Putin is also expected to meet this week with Chinese leaders in Beijing on a visit that shows China's support for Russia's war in Ukraine. It looks like Russia and China have made an informal alliance against the United States and other democratic nations. The Israel-Hamas war is going to really intensify things, complicate things even. There's a lot of very serious and scary stuff going on in the world right now that will have an impact on all of us. U.S. Customs confirmed that there has been a fourth Iranian special interest illegal alien apprehended this month in Eagle Pass, Texas. These Iranians are just four who have been apprehended. It's just four of them. These are the ones that have been apprehended. We have no idea how many potential terrorists from Iran, Syria, or other nations have crossed our wide open southern borders, thanks to the Biden administration. In my opinion, America has gotten very forgetful and sleepy since September 11th, 2001. And we are fools if we think another major terrorist attack is not being planned against us. I'm not trying to scare anyone. I'm not into that. I'm just trying to get people to wake up. You know, Christian men, especially, you should be stepping up. You should be manning up. You should be speaking up about such things, things that truly matter. Shouldn't be sticking your heads in a hole and just praying for Jesus to return. What is happening around the world and in our own country is important. It is crucial. 
It is crucial for our generation and the generation behind us if Christ doesn't rapture his church. I don't know when he's going to rapture the church. It could be this year. It could be 100 years from now. We should be paying close attention to what's going on, and we should be trying to make a difference morally and politically. I'll talk more about that in just a little bit. You know, I see a lot of pro-Hamas protests and rallies, and I know that the majority of Americans are not pro-Hamas. They're just not. But there's silence and passivity by most Americans. As I've said many times, evil often prevails when good men and women do nothing and say nothing. Let me say that again. Even the evil often prevails when good men and women do nothing and say nothing. We see this all throughout history. I want to share something that I just read from the Daily Wire about these pro-Hamas demonstrations going on across universities in America. Again, this comes from the Daily Wire, and you need to hear this. You need to be informed. Following last week's devastating terror attacks in Israel, college campuses nationwide have seen an explosion in support for Hamas, sparking bitter protest and pushback from administrators. Throughout the last week, thousands of college students at over 100 campuses have held demonstrations and issued statements supporting Hamas while blaming Israel for the terror attacks that claimed over 1,300 lives. Context. The activism has been led in large part by the organization Students for Justice in Palestine, SJP, which has chapters on over 100 campuses and receives funding from organizations and individuals known to patronize Hamas and Hezbollah. The group organized a quote-unquote day of resistance this past Thursday and sent out a toolkit to members, which was obtained by the Daily Wire. Among other things, the toolkit referred to the terrorist attack as a historic win and told students that liberating colonized land requires confrontation by any means necessary. It also offered students messaging advice, telling them no one in Israel should be considered a civilian because settlers, quote unquote, are not civilians. The toolkit also included templates for flyers to be used around campus, one of which includes a large image of a paraglider paying homage to the terrorist who stormed a music festival in Israel with parachutes on Saturday. SJP chapters used that language and those flyers to organize events of their own, sparking outrage on campuses nationwide. For example, at UC Berkeley, the group issued a statement saying, we support the resistance and indisputably support the uprising before adding, we invariably reject Israel's framing as a victim. At the University of Virginia, the group said the attacks against Israel were a step toward a free Palestine and reiterated their solidarity with Palestinian resistance fighters, end quote. At UC San Diego, students held in Honor Our Martyrs vigil for the Hamas terrorists killed during the attacks. At George Washington University in D.C., the SJP chapter issued a statement calling the terrorists, quote unquote, freedom fighters, comparing them to Nelson Mandela. The group hosted a rally with around 100 students this week, chanting in support of the terrorists, who they referred to as martyrs. But student groups at Harvard University have drawn the most national attention. 
Shortly after the terrorist attack Saturday, more than 30 student groups representing over a thousand students at Harvard issued a joint statement claiming Israel was entirely responsible for all unfolding violence. Those comments and the relative lack of condemnation from Harvard's leadership garnered swift condemnation from a number of influential politicians and business leaders, including the school's former president and former U.S. Treasury Secretary Larry Summers, who said he was, quote unquote, sickened by the support of Hamas and the school's lack of support for Israel. Elsewhere, a number of CEOs, including billionaire hedge fund manager Bill Ackman, called on Harvard to release the names of every student who signed the letter so they could avoid hiring them in the future. I love it. There's some resistance. On Thursday, a large truck drove through the campus with a digital billboard displaying the names and pictures of students behind the letter, calling them Harvard's leading anti-Semites. Harvard University initially issued a tepid statement addressing the attacks, but did not mention the letter from those 30 student groups. However, listen to this. After facing backlash for multiple days, the school's president finally issued a new statement condemning the quote unquote terrorist atrocities and saying that, quote, while our students have the right to speak for themselves, no student group, not even 30 student groups, speaks for Harvard University or its leadership. Did you hear that last part? Guys, listen to me. Again, all of that comes from the Daily Wire. Did you hear that last part? After a backlash, the school's president finally issued a new statement condemning the terrorist atrocities. You see what happens when good people stand up and speak up and never shut up? I'm telling you, man, evil often prevails because good men and women do nothing and say nothing. I say it all the time here on the Grizz Podcast. So many Christian men and women remain silent and passive and are obsessed with their comfortable couch being well-fed and entertained to death by sports, Netflix, social media, while the world is freaking burning people when we have to wake up for such a time as this. You want to know another reason why so many Christian dudes stay passive and silent? I've mentioned this before on the podcast. It's because they have secret sin in their Christian life. Secret sin will weaken you. It will sideline you. That's why the enemy tries so hard to keep you involved in it. If secret sin is not being confessed and dealt with and fought against in a safe community of Christian brothers, you will remain a POW in the enemy's camp. You got to get the sin out of your Christian life. You got to come clean. You got to get help. You got to get accountable. That's what I've done. Come on. Let's go. God's people should be influencing the culture, government, politics, education. You should be influencing all those things for good, for truth, for what is just and right. Look at the great saints in the Bible who are examples of this. Think of how Moses went and stood up to the king of Egypt. What if he said, well, I don't want to get involved in politics. You think of Daniel, who stood up to Darius, the king of Babylon. You think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stood up to King Nebuchadnezzar. What if they all would have been like, I don't want to get involved in politics. I just want to focus on God's kingdom. What are you talking about? We are focused on God's kingdom. And God's kingdom should impact and, and influence the, the culture, the government, politics, everything. I think of Mordecai and Esther who stood up against the evil Persian leader, Haman. 
New Testament, John the Baptist publicly stood up and spoke out against Herod Antipas for his wickedness. I don't want to get involved with politics. <laughs> May God help us to be bold and faithful saints like these godly men and women who I have just mentioned. We're going to lose this country if we don't. Guys, you need to be praying. Praying about the current conflict. Here are 10 ways to pray for that. Pray for the healing for those who have been wounded by terrorists. Pray for those who are grieving the loss of loved ones. Pray for the hostages to not be harmed. Pray for the rescue and recovery efforts to be swift and successful. Pray for wisdom, strength, and courage for Israeli leaders. Pray for wisdom, strength, and courage for U.S. leaders. Pray for future terror plans from Hamas and surrounding groups or nations to be exposed and discovered before those plans are fulfilled. Pray against the spiritual forces of darkness that are at work behind the scenes, moving pieces on the chessboard. Pray against them. They're the ones influencing all of this evil and death. They're the ones who may be possessing leaders behind all of this. And then lastly, number 10, pray for the gospel to somehow go forth through all of this, for God to do something incredible, for people to be saved, for people to come to faith in Jesus Christ, to be forgiven, to have eternal life in heaven, to, to truly have the real God as their father. I mentioned this quote last week. I want to mention it again. It's by the late Pastor Ian Bounds. God shapes the world by prayer. The more praying there is in the world, the better the world will be, the mightier the forces against evil. Stay tuned for a few closing items of Grizz Biz. All right, guys, just want to wrap it up. Thanks for listening, man. I hope that uh, this episode helps guide, encourage, and equip you. I know it might be a kick in the freaking face for some of you, but good. Sometimes we need a good roundhouse kick to the face. You know what I'm saying? Hey, please take a moment. Leave us a quick rating and review wherever you listen to the greatest podcast, whether that's Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, Audible. We're even trying to post up videos now on YouTube of these podcast episodes. If this episode has helped you, then do me a favor, copy the link, share it with a friend, share it with your men's group at your church, share it on social media. Also, if you're a regular listener to The Grizz, then consider becoming one of our monthly supporters for as little as $10 or $20 a month. We are a legit 501c3 uh, faith-based ministry. You can go to our webpage, uh, I'm sorry, our webpage, our website. <laughs> and uh, it's narrowtrail.com. And you can click on the give page on our website, narrowtrail.com. Or you can take your phone right now, text the word give to 301-888-6860, 301-888-6860. Text the word give, and it'll help you set, set all that up. I promise it's safe, secure, it's easy. You can cancel at any time. Also, I want to encourage you guys, get Covenant Eyes monitoring software installed on all of your devices and on your kids' and teens' devices. Be proactive. Prevention, my brothers. 
Go to CovenantEyes.com, sign up, and at checkout, use the promo code GRIZZIN, G-R-I-Z-Z-I-N. You get the first month completely free. Also, we have a closed Facebook group called the Grizz Tribe for all of our brothers from other mothers around the world. If you want to be part of that, look us up. If you're interested in doing some one-on-one coaching with the Grizz or being part of one of our CLIMB teams, our CLIMB teams are our online support accountability group for Christian men who struggle with pornography and other unwanted sexual behaviors. If you're interested in that, go to our website, narrowtrail.com. Click on our give page, I'm sorry, on our CLIMB team page, and there's a short online application you can fill out. That's it. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. I'll be back at you soon with another epic episode of Grizz. Until then... Honor God, live manly.